This is Carolyn Hawley. Welcome to Game Plan for Life with Skip Hall. For the next half hour, you're going to be encouraged and challenged by Skip and his guests as they discuss the game plan for life. In sports, as in life, it's important to have a game plan. And as Skip says, no game plan, no victory. Game Plan for Life with Coach Skip Hall is brought to you by the following sponsors. Dutch Bros of Boise, an experience guaranteed to satisfy. Therapeutic Associates Physical Therapy, your partner in health. Bacon, you gotta love it. And Summer's Funeral Home, every life leaves a legacy. The Eagle at North End 76 stations and on-the-fly service station on Collister and State. McDowell Specialty Repair. Hendrickson's Fine Jewelry, the place to go for that special someone. Susie Boyle Mortgage Team and Castle and Cook Mortgage LLC. Stop by their new location at 512 North 13th Street in Boise, online at sboyle.castlecookmortgage.com. And now, here's your host for Game Plan for Life, Coach Skip Hall. Welcome to Game Plan for Life. This is your host, Skip Hall. Well, today our special guest is Jeremy Graves. Jeremy is uh, the new senior pastor at East Wind Community Church, but he also wears some other hats, and we're going to talk about that. But first of all, Jeremy, welcome to Game Plan for Life. Thanks. It's good to be here. Absolutely. Well, I'd like to have you tell your story, Jeremy. Let's go back in time and kind of walk us up to, to the present day. Okay. So grew up in this area, yeah. grew up in Boise, um, moved here when I was in uh, middle school, uh, went to Capitol High School, uh, met my wife here in this community, and uh, started ministry, actually, worked at Calvary Chapel Treasure Valley Okay, when I first uh, started ministry at 20 years old. 20 years old. Yeah. Well, you dove right in, didn't <laughs> right, you? <laughs> right in, yeah. was working at Micron at the time, and then uh, uh, the church that I was attending asked if I would help out with the youth, and mm-hmm. one thing led to another, and I ended up going to some Bible college classes and feeling kind of called to work with the young people, and so got involved, and yeah. the rest kind of became history as far as at that church. I worked sure. there for five years um, as a youth pastor before moving to Atlanta, Georgia. Hmm. And what, what uh, took you there? Uh, actually, uh, a church hired me to start a skateboard ministry no, at their church. No kidding. Yeah, so we had a uh, ten thousand square foot room that had uh, that had nothing in it, and they let us put a skate park in there. And so we put a skate park in there, and then we started sharing. Uh, with the kids about Jesus, and it turned into an incredible ministry. Skating and sharing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it worked out great. Well, listen, that's that's fantastic. So then from Atlanta, what happened? So then, well, in Atlanta, I uh, finished up an um, um, undergrad degree and started working on a master's degree um, in theological studies. And mm-hmm. during that time, uh, the church that I was at, another church in the metro Atlanta area reached out to me, and I uh, was hired as the pastor of outreach and evangelism. Okay. So I spent three years at a vineyard church in Atlanta doing that. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I was 27 years old, the pastor walked in and he said, I uh, feel like I'm supposed to move to India and plant churches. And really? I said, well, that's great. What does that mean for me? He said, I think you're supposed to pastor this church. Wow. So I became a senior pastor at 27 years old. Isn't that something? I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> and for the next six years, that's uh, that's what I did. I was the senior pastor mm-hmm. of that church, and uh, it was a great ride. Yeah. Had a lot of fun. Moved our church into uh, one of the lower 
lower income areas in the community mm-hmm. and uh, started working among the, the poor and specifically among folks who uh, were trying to break out of the poverty cycle within our community. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And then how did you end up back here? So was was started working on a PhD. Okay. And a PhD in leadership that I eventually graduated with in 2012. But in 2010, I was in the height of research. And so in the midst of research, um, we felt like it would be good to move back to this area so that I could focus on research because my wife's family is from here. And so cousins, uh, sisters, you know, things like that for our family because we had younger boys at the time. So it became uh, the opportunity for us to move back. And so I started working at the Biblical Study Center. Um, teaching a few classes okay. part time and finishing up my PhD. That's mm-hmm. what brought us back uh, from Atlanta. Right. When you say us, talk to us about your family. Yeah. Uh, so I have a uh, now I have a 19 year old son who is a sophomore at Boise State. Mm-hmm. I have a 15 year old son who is a sophomore at Timberline and a lacrosse player. And I have uh, a wife that we will celebrate 25 years well, in February. Congratulations. Yeah, yes. 25 years. She stayed with me for 25 yes. years. <laughs> Coach, coaches' wives and pastors' wives, they're, they're special people. They, they've got to be, yeah. Very special people. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So from the Biblical Studies Center, then what? So uh, a church in Nampa, actually, Crossroads Community Church, yep. uh, brought me on part-time. To do some work with their um, with their outreach into the community initially, so I was helping get the church outside the walls. Um, within about three months, the youth pastor ended up moving to plant a church, and so I stepped into youth ministry. And you know, a lot of people say, "Well, you were a senior pastor and you went back to youth ministry." I said, "No, I was promoted into youth ministry." It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> yeah, I actually really enjoyed uh, working with the young people and did that for about five years there. Yeah. Uh, 2012 is when I finished my degree, my uh, uh, PhD in, in leadership. Right. And the church gave me an opportunity out there in Nampa to actually start a leadership school. And mm. so we started working, um, developing leaders. And I did that for a few years um, before an opportunity arose with the university at Boise State. Yeah. So at Boise State, talk to us about your role there. So initially, I started working uh, at the Center for Professional Development. And the work that I was doing there was actually in the business community. Um, so a lot of my research and work uh, at, uh, at the doctoral level was with teams and specifically multi-generational teams. Mm-hmm. So how do we get different generations working together That's instead of siloing exactly. or instead of blaming, right? right? We, right. So how do we get these to work together? So again, multicultural um, leadership. Mm-hmm. What's the glue that can maybe help bring that together? So I, I look at it differently. Uh, initially, when I started doing research, uh, I, I, I focused on what the differences were in the workplace, um, specifically among the different generations. And what I began to find was we actually have more in common. And that's the piece that I've been focusing on is mm. what do we have in common? What do the generations have in common? And sometimes that's what uh, we call flashpoints where we all experience something together. Right. The 9-11 for many people was that, was that moment was a flashpoint. And so how do we actually build on what we have in common rather than continuing to say, well, it's this generation or that generation that causes right. causes the problems. Right, right. So searching for that common thread. That yes. Yeah. Weaves it all together. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's good. That's good. Well, b- besides your, your leadership work and the team building stuff and all the other things you've done, 
you've taken on a new role, the pastor at East Wind Community Church. Yeah. Tell us how that happened, why that happened. That, that's really interesting. So we, uh, my wife and I live in Southeast Boise, and we were talking with the church that we were attending. And at the time, we were attending the Vineyard Church. And we were talking with them about planting a church in Southeast Boise. That was mm-hmm. the goal, was to plant something. Well, someone at East Wind had heard, got wind of, that yeah. we were going to plant a church. And <laughs> so I found myself at coffee with uh, a few folks from the transition board or transition mm-hmm. team. And they asked if I would be interested in potentially looking at taking over the church that the founding pastor uh, was right. retiring mm-hmm. from. And initially, I thought, no, <laughs> to be honest that was your with you, first thought, my right? first thought was no, and it was no because I'm so different, and I kind of know that I'm different, and so I, I didn't want to ruin the church. That was really my goal, was like, I didn't want to ruin the church, but you know how sometimes God has another way of doing things? Yep, he sure does. And uh, he used the story of Jonah, actually, in my own life. Uh, as the reminder that he loved the people of East Boise, he loves the people of East Wind, and that he had a plan for me and that connection at East Wind. Um, So reluctantly, and I say that, uh, reluctantly I said yes. Mm -hmm. It's been a year now. I actually have to say I'm very much enjoying it. Good, good, good. Well, it takes time building a program, whether it's a church or a football team or whatever. It it takes time, and, and... Sometimes, sometimes you got to change the culture a bit too to kind of fit where you're going. Yeah, and and your vision. What do you see ahead for East Wind? What kind of future? What kind of vision do you see? I I see us, uh, you know, connecting out into the community. There are three words that we've been using quite a bit. Um, it's engage, experience, encounter. Mm-hmm. And when we say engage, it's how do we get involved? How do we get right. not just people involved with coming to church on Sunday, but get involved with taking what they believe and beginning to walk it out. Right. Um, right. And I think that that happens when we experience not only community and real community with one another, but also when we experience what God is doing in the world around us. Yep. And then we can encounter um, others and we can encounter a bigger picture than ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so we've been using those three words to help us describe the future mm-hmm. at East Wind, um, that we would truly have these encounters that begin to change us mm. and move us out into the community. Church without walls. That's yeah. kind of where it's at, isn't it? Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's a big push for us this even this year. Yeah. This summer, we're doing a whole event that's pushing us towards three weeks of Church Without Walls at our church where we mm. won't be in the building for three weeks. Really? Yeah. Oh, that'll be exciting. Yeah, yeah. it'll be fun. Yeah. Well, Jeremy, I know also you just this last year have written a book, uh-huh. Empower, Promote, and Launch. And it's creating a culture of, of generational leadership, like we were talking, using four core strategies. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Okay. What are the four core strategies? So core is actually an acronym. So the C is uh, collaborate. Mm-hmm. How collaborative is your team? And through a series of uh, assessments and through a series of uh, questions, we start to talk about what is collaboration and how does collaboration look within your organization? The O stands for objectives, and we talk about how clear are the objectives within your team and within your organization of the desired future. R stands for raising up. How are we raising up people within our organization? And I'll have to tell you, Coach, that this is a big one for me. Um, I, I really don't want to create a church that's built on me. 
I want to create a church that's first built on Jesus, right. but secondly, that is raising up others, raising up. And then the E stands for empowering. So how do we empower others then to go do the things that they're called to do, be the people that they're called to be? And specifically, I wrote this for the business community. Right. So how do you raise up and empower people within your organizations? Yeah. What does that look like? It's interesting, though, because it translates completely over into the church as well. Wow. Well, let's uh, let's talk about a couple of these uh, chapters that are in here. Um, the ba- baby boomer message. Yeah. What is the baby boomer message? Well, I think that one of the things that the that boomers are 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 trying to uh, articulate first off is we're not done. Yeah. Uh, we still have value and bring a lot of value to the workplace. Though, you know, 10,000 people a day are turning 65 in the United States. And it used to be that 65 was kind of the retirement age. But we know that uh, a lot of folks uh, are working a lot later than 65 and continue to have value and bring value to their organization. And so their message is, don't forget about us. Their Mm -hmm. message is, we bring something that's important. And when I talk about it, I also bring in the fact that they bring context. And that's really an important piece, is they bring uh, a history that is important that we don't forget in our organizations. Exactly. Well, then there's Generation X, the who cares generation. Yeah. yeah. Talk to us about that. Yeah. So a lot of uh, Gen Xers uh, kind of have a chip on their shoulder. I'm one. I'm I'm a part of the Generation X. And one of the reasons that we have a chip on our shoulder is because if you do, if you look at the numbers, this is the generation where the divorce rate really started to skyrocket. Yeah. And so many Gen Xers raised themselves um, for one of two reasons. Um, mom got a job and so mom and dad were both working and so we came home to empty houses or mom and dad divorced and so I had two sets of rules Mm -hmm. at two different houses and had to figure out how to navigate all of that. Yeah, so true. And so so we became a generation that kind of got forgotten. And in a lot of ways, in the workplace, uh, Gen Xers kind of just put their nose down and do do the work that's asked of them. But there's a real struggle sometimes with feeling a part of something bigger than themselves. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're talking again with Jeremy Graves, the uh, senior pastor at East Wind Community Church. We're talking about his book, and uh, we want to. I want to ask you about the millennials now, the the Generation Me myth. Yeah. What can you tell us about that? Well, you know, uh, for the longest time, uh, millennials have got a bad rap. And, you know, I still teach uh, a couple classes at the university. Mm -hmm. Um, I teach in the College of Innovation and Design, and I teach a couple leadership classes through them. And I think a lot of times the millennials uh, get the rap in the workplace that they want to work on their own schedule. They want to do their own way. Mm -hmm. They want to they want to engage in their uh, way and in their mindset. And really, sometimes the, the, the myth that's out there is that they are engaged only to the point that they want to be engaged. Yeah. And I look at it and say, no, they just work differently. Mm-hmm. Um, they do engage differently, but they're, they're also the ones at 2 o'clock in the morning who are working. Right. So they may not be the traditional eight to five, but they're getting the job done. Yeah. They just do it differently. Different Many way. of them, um, because of what we call the gig economy now, mm-hmm. um, they do several different small jobs. So they may not have a 40-hour-a-week job, but they may have five jobs of whether it's Uber driving or sure. working on a project on the side or, you know, mm-hmm. there's lots of different what, what they call side hustles yeah, that are involved in that. They're innovators. Yeah, Absolutely. very much so. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Well, then there's a chapter called Ready or Not, Here Comes Generation Z. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about that. So that generation uh, is one that is hard to really know where they're going to land because they're not old enough for me to research yet, mm. but I have a couple who live in my house, oh, so yeah. <laughs> I get to research them all the time. Oh, yeah. And the, the, the hypothesis that I've used right now on this generation is that they are they are engaging the world differently mm. because of some of what we call defining moments or flashpoints. And I think a big flashpoint or defining moment for them was the housing market crash, 2007, 2008, 2009. Yes. Yeah. They watched parents lose their homes. They lost, they watched parents lose their jobs. And so for many of them, they're engaging the world differently. And they're asking the question of how stable is our organization? Mm -hmm. How stable is this company? Is it going to be here in five, 10, 15 years? Mm -hmm. Whereas millennials, when they engaged the world, they were looking at it very much from the, from the standpoint of entrepreneurial what new thing can we create what innovative approach can we have and i think that's where you're going to see the difference now this is a working hypothesis again because yeah. we're just starting to be able to research that younger generation and ask some questions of them um, but i'm excited to see how they're showing up for work because they're showing up for work differently and they're engaging our world differently and i think yeah. it's going to be a good thing well this is really interesting stuff uh, again, the book is called Empower, Promote, Launch. Empower, Promote, Launch, Creating a Culture of Generational Leadership Using Four Core Strategies by Jeremy Graves. Where can they get the book? Uh, you can get it on Amazon. All right. Um, or you can get it on Kindle even. Okay. So both of those. Okay. Yeah. Um, another chapter in the book, Collaboration in the 21st Century Workforce. Yeah. What's up there? So th the goal of the book was written kind of in two, two formats, two sections. So the first section was to look at the generations, so yes. the generational divides that have divided us. So we started with traditionalists. We talked about traditionalists, boomers, Gen Xers, millennials, and Generation Z. And then we said, rather than continuing to divide, see, I looked at this very differently and said, I don't want to continue to divide. I want to bring together. Yeah. And so I said, what can we learn about collaboration? from all the generations? How do all the generations view collaboration and then how can we build a successful team on that? Mm -hmm. And I, I coined a term in my research called generational synchronicity. Oh boy, that's a mouthful. Yeah, right? So <laughs> the ability for multiple generations to work together to leverage their strengths and to find common ground. And that's where that collaboration in the 21st century comes in is that I actually believe that most generations actually want to work with others. Mm. I'm not. I'm not convinced that one generation is not want, is, no. uh, wants to be. I think people like collaboration. I think we just collaborate differently. Yeah. And I yeah. think that's been one of the struggles. Is I want you to collaborate like me. Right. But maybe you approach collaboration differently. Yeah. Well, on a team or in a group or, or a business, it's probably good to have a mixture of all these different generational things. Yeah. You know, mix mix them up a little bit. Yeah. So another chapter here, Clearing Muddy Objectives. Yeah. What would you say to that? Well, I think, I think the struggle oftentimes is uh, we ask people to do things, but we're not clear. Yeah. And uh, so if you're going to have a team that's going to be collaborative, and if you're going to have a group that's going to have a common vision and a common goal, then you got to have clear objectives. Yeah. And um, I'm sure you know this from a coaching standpoint, that if the objectives are not clear to you, then they're going to be fuzzy or foggy to the rest of the group yeah. or the team. Yeah. Yeah. And how we communicate that 
is up to us in a lot of ways as leaders. How do we communicate right. those objectives? Yeah, foggy or muddy is not good. Yeah, no, <laughs> I'm sure it's not. <laughs> well, now another, uh, I think, a fascinating chapter in here, raising up leaders upon leaders. Yeah. And, and you know, this leadership building uh, is, is really of, of great interest to me. Uh, I always... Talk about the comparison of managing or, or leading. You mm-hmm. know, there's two distinct things. Yeah. You can manage stuff on your desk, and but a leader takes people to to levels they didn't think they could get to. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so let's let's talk about ra- raising up leaders upon leaders. Yeah. So so for me, leadership development is probably the thing that I know I'm called to more than anything else. Yeah. Um, and part of that is because uh, let's take it into the church for a second, and then we can take it into the business world in the church setting. Um, oftentimes churches are built upon a pastor and yeah. that pastor is the pastor the pastor. And, and, and while I see the, the, uh, the validity of having someone who sets the vision and helps set the direction, mm-hmm. it becomes dangerous if we're not raising up others um, or if we're only putting people around us that are not as good as us. Yeah. I want to develop people who are better than Absolutely. me. Absolutely. And I want to release them because it does two things. Number one, it creates the picture and the image that this is us yeah. and not one person. And number two, I get to retire at some point, <laughs> right? Like I, I get to turn it over to somebody. Yeah, absolutely. And so, um, you know, for me, when I think about raising up leaders and leadership development, it's the single most important thing that I can do investing in leaders and giving leaders an opportunity to lead. And you know what? It's also the messiest thing you can do. It's, it's difficult at times. No question about it, but but it's so important. Yeah. We need quality leaders. That's right. That's right. In all areas. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm, I feel called to do it in two realms in the church, but also in the business community. Yeah. And you know, the thing I've found too, having been around a lot of great leaders is they're, they're culture builders, Mm. you know, they surround themselves with, with, Quality people, like you say, and and then the culture is built. Yeah, and and uh, and and when they understand what to do, and it's not cloudy or muddy or foggy, why makes a huge difference. Yeah. So let's let's talk a little bit about teamwork here. All right. Um, empowering your team. Uh-huh. How do you empower a team? I think one of the biggest ways that you empower people is is quality delegation. And I say quality delegation because oftentimes we delegate things that we just don't want to do. Yeah. And I don't, I don't consider that quality delegation. I, I consider quality delegation giving them something that's going to stretch them. It's going to challenge them. And in the process of empowering them, you're releasing them to do it. And here's the hard part, maybe even differently than you would. Yeah. But when you empower them to do that, they grow, they develop, they become the best version of themselves, which for me, as a leader, is what I want to see others become, the yeah. best version of themselves. The best version of themselves. Yeah. yeah well and, said. and to empower them to do that means giving them opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the ways I see my role as a leader is to remove roadblocks remove obstacles that will keep them from being successful. And so I need to be uh, looking ahead. I need to have foresight. I need to be thinking about the the things that could become obstacles Mm -hmm. and help remove those so that they can be the best version of themselves. We've created a teaching team at the church. 
And this team of folks has some uh, some leaders on there who are great communicators and others who are just learning communication mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and how to take a passage of scripture and begin to talk about it. Yeah. And my role with, with those team members is very different. For the one that's a great communicator already, it's helping hone that skill. Yeah. And removing obstacles that might get in the way and giving that person opportunities. Mm. For the the one who's maybe newer to it, it's walking them through the process of how do you look at a passage of scripture and keep it in context and make sure that you're staying true to the word. Both of those are obstacles that can get in the way. And so I get to help remove those obstacles so that they can shine. Uh, that's good. That's, that's the goal. Good. Well, Jeremy, we've got about a minute left, and, and I want to tackle this one last thing that's in your book about committing to the process. Yeah. That's huge. Yes, absolutely. I think that the struggle oftentimes is that we talk a good game. Yeah. And yet, at the end of the day, we don't put an action plan in place or begin to say, what are the steps I'm going to take? Right. And so we, I try with my teams and my meetings to literally say, what are the, what are the action steps you're going to walk out with? Yeah, yeah. What? It's got to reach the shoe leather. That's great. Yep, that's, that's good. <laughs> Not just coming out of the mouth, but it's got to reach the shoe leather. Yeah. And uh, then you know you... You're on the right track. Well, Jeremy, this has been a delightful conversation, and I really appreciate you coming in today. Yeah, thanks. Well, I wish you well, and, and God bless all the things that you're doing. You're wearing several hats, but uh, I know you're excited about it, and that's that's the real key right there. Yeah, so, thanks. Again, thanks for the opportunity. Again, thank you for being a guest on yeah. Game Plan for Life. Game Plan for Life with Coach Skip Hall is brought to you by the following sponsors. Associated Insurance Services, the leader in workers' comp and risk management consulting. Our policyholders are our owners, so we work for you. Associated Insurance Services, Hollingshead Eye Center. See the difference experience makes. For more information, 208-336-8700. Christian Brothers Automotive. Security Gold and Silver, a reliable source for your bullion investment. Domino's. Oh, yes, we did. Rocket Express Car Wash, it's a blast. And Hoffman Auto Body, Hoffman Auto Body, someone you can trust. If you would like more information on how you and your business can become a sponsor of Game Plan for Life with Coach Skip Hall, just call the radio station at 208-377-3790 and someone will help you get in the game. Thank you for listening to Game Plan for Life with Skip Hall. This is Carolyn Holly inviting you to listen at this same time on this same station next Saturday as Skip and his guests go over the game plan for life. Have a great weekend. And remember, no game plan, no victory.